Hey guys, I want you to meet my new friend. Hey! He's called Steve. We met at the Radio Adelaide Canteen. Since when does the DM have friends? Since when does Radio Adelaide have a canteen? Only the VIP crowd get exclusive access to the canteen, Wilma. Steve is from a show called Bleep. They talk about classic gaming. But DM, you hate classic gaming. Growing up poor and without a computer or the latest consoles, you told me that video games were the last refuge of the petty bourgeoisie in which they could bury their heads in the sand to hide from the oncoming storm of revolution. Yes, but then I heard his review of Tenchu's Stealth Assassin. It was a good plot hole you pointed out, Steve. Why do the guards always pick up and eat that poisoned rice they find on the ground? I'd never thought of it that way. Thanks. Steve, are you really the DM's friend? Because the DM doesn't have many friends. Oh yeah, the DM's great. Steve from Bleep and I just clicked straight away, you know. I even discovered we both enjoy finding dead baby birds in the footpath. Oh yes, I just love that. Because, you know, imagine you're a baby bird. You're in the nest all blind and hairless and your mother disappears and it seems like the end of the world. You're cold and starving, only able to cheep helplessly for an empty throat. But then all at once your mother returns. She comes fluttering back, so soft, so warm, so safe, as big as all the world, with food she's caught just for you. But not for these little baby birds on the footpath. That will never happen. They fell from the nest and absolutely no one will help them. They cheep and cheep into the darkness but get no reply. Only death and cold awaits. It will snatch them up before they can even learn to fly. Isn't he great? What Radio Adelaide show did you say you were from again, Steve? Bleep on Mondays at midnight. Bleep? Isn't that how you say motherfucker in R2-D2 language? Don't be cruel, Clutterbuck. Steve is my bra. Is my brother from another mother. He's been friend-zoned. That's not how you use friend-zoned, DM. Oh, no, the DM's having a bromance. Just what is the appeal, DM? I thought you were my best friend. I thought you were my only friend in the world. Don't be silly, Clutterbuck. I tell you every day that I don't like you at all. Steve is just so great. Look at him. Look at his little head. His strong thighs. Look at his dimples. Those are rather fetching dimples. Where did you have those done? These are natural dimples. In nomine Patres et Filia Spiritu Santo. I was thinking of uh, playing some D&D with him a bit later. <laughs> D&D? But you never play D&D with us anymore. We moved in with you because we wanted D&D. It was the whole premise. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> but Steve, just uh, <clears throat> tell them why I want to play D&D with you, Steve. They wouldn't understand. <laughs> no, they, they just wouldn't understand, would they? That's not fair. Actually, you know, there are several uh, minor roles in the friendship I thought that Steve could fulfill better than you guys. Yeah, <laughs> just, 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 just little things, you know, it won't, it won't really be a big deal. Um, like what things? Like saying lines on my radio show. But I can say lines on your radio show. <clears throat> Hmm, yeah. Oh, Steve Clutterbuck. Here we go. Take these pieces of paper. They have some lines from a famous play on them. Clutterbuck, if you'll begin. The quality of mercy is not strained. It droppeth as the gentle rain from heaven. Upon the place beneath, it is twice best. It is blessed with him that gives and him that takes. Tis mightiest in the mightiest. It becomes the throne monarch better than his crown. Okay, okay, great. Steve? 
The quality of mercy is not strained. It droppeth as the gentle rain from heaven upon the place beneath. It is twice blessed. It blesseth him that gives and him that takes. Tis mightiest in the mightiest. It becomes the throned monarch better than his crown. Okay, next one is the geographical fugue. Steve, you can go first. Trinidad. And the big Mississippi, and the town Honolulu, and the lake Titicaca. Popica Tepetl is not in Canada, rather in Mexico, 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 Canada, Malaga, Rimini, Brindisi, Calada, Malaga, Rimini, Brindisi, yes, Tibet. And Clutterbuck? Trinidad, and the big Mississippi, and the town Honolulu, and the lake Titicaca, Popocatapetl, is not in Canada, rather in Mexico, 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 Canada, Malaga, Rimini, Brizania, Canada, Malaga, Rimini, Brizania. Yes, Tibet. <clears throat> and finally, either of you. Next is a short selection I wrote myself. Whichever of you wants to go first. But, but. I'll go first, Jim. Yeah. Ooh, lovely, Steve. At the ingress of the inbred airline hostess, I confess the mess on my chest gave me such distress that I referred in my head to the outcome of the ecclesiastical synod of 782 in the small German town of Wiedenipter Oberwald, south of Willingen-Swinigen, and a little north of Weindisch Bagendorf, during which 7th primate Wolfarth Heimingdandl von Obergalfterhaften declared, Many mice might make nice rice, but what price will suffice for nice rice made by many mice? What price? Thank you, Steve. Clutterbuck. You're kidding. Mm. <sighs> At the ingress of the inbred airline hostess, I confess my mess on the chest gave me such distress that I referred in my head to the outcome of the ecclesiastic synod of 1782 in the small German town of Weiden in the open Fladen south of Villagen Schwenninger and a little north of Wendischer Bagendorf, during which the seventh primate Wolfharthen Hemingdalen von Obgarderhafen declared my many mice make nice rice, but what price will suffice for nice rice made by many nice? What price? Hmm. Oh, and uh, Steve, uh, can you do that last one in an Irish accent? At the ingress of the inbred airline hostess, I confess the mass on my chest gave me such distress that I referred in my head to the outcome of the ecclesiastical sign order 782 in the small German town of Wiedenipter Oberwald, south of Willigan-Swinigan. That's enough. Now, uh, can you do it in a different kind of Irish accent? The ingress of the inbred airline hostess, so I confess the mess on my chest gave me such distress that I referred to my head to the outcome of the ecclesiastical side order 782. Oh, good. Now, uh, can you do it as an Irish woman? At the ingress of the inbred airline hostess, I confess the mess on my chest gave me such distress that I referred to my head to the outcome of the ecclesiastical... <laughs> <laughs> can you hear it? Can you hear it? Such diction. Steve is highly intelligible and with perfect prosody. And just look at these hips. They're breeding hips. But, but DM. But DM, but DM. So Steve can start taking over some of your less important duties. Oh, immediately. If saying lines is my less important duties, then what is my more important duties? I don't know. Do crosswords in the corner or something. But I can't read. I'm glad to be part of the team. Bro-fist, Steve. Bro-fist? Heck, bro-hug! Bro-hug, brah! <sighs> oh, God. So, how soon is it before you start giving our lines to Steve? I don't know. Impress me. Say something funny. Um, uh, I say that. I saw some Nordic person got acquitted for child porn the other day. He was only doing his job as a translator of Japanese manga, and they tried to give him a victim of child porn. That's awful. Yes, that is awful. Acquitting him. 
Yeah, Steve, anyone who reads manga should automatically be convicted of child porn, right? Two lakhs, DM. Anyone who looks at manga. Anyone who walks past it in a shop. Oh, Steve, such a man after my own heart when it comes to your irrational hatred of manga. Anyway, Wilma, what you said was topical, not funny. Topical. See, Steve, I always try to teach them the difference between words, but it never takes. I asked you to say something funny. Wilma, what was the joke? Um, I don't know. I heard something about a sign language guy translating a child porn video for the deaf. Could you convict him? Where will it end? I don't know. What is that? That's not even... I was trying to be edgy. Child porn isn't automatically funny just because it's child porn, Wilma. Child porn is automatically funny. Um, dead children? Dead children with a dick inside them? Dead children with a dick inside them riding a dead horse into a... Into a... Into an AIDS clinic. Yawn. Child porn? What? I thought it'd be funny if I said it a fourth time. Steve, I'm giving you half of Wilma's lines too. She just doesn't understand the subtle majesty of the role-playing hour. It's literate intelligence. It's not just about being on the nose. Christ. Okay, cool. Say child porn with a Swedish accent. Child porn? Oh, you crack me up. This is Lance Henderson and I hate the role-playing hour and I can sometimes be quite scary. So you should listen to me. No bullshit. I love to curse. According to medieval Christian tradition, everyone's spirit in heaven is 33 years old, just like Christ when he was crucified. If that's true, then in heaven, Radio Adelaide will forever be trapped in 2005. That's right, the angels will be rocking out to My Humps by the Black Eyed Peas. Jesus will be bopping along, and the Virgin will be grinding at the right hand of God. This year, Radio Adelaide turns 40, but its Holy Spirit will forever be wondering what to do with all that junk, all that junk inside its trunk. This is K9. Though this unit is incapable of emotion, I calculate that the role-playing hour has a 98% probability of causing feelings of hate and distress in any sentient life form. Oh, Steve. Oh, thanks. That was a great massage. No problem, man. You have really soft hands. Thanks. You got nice, nice shoes. Steve. Hey, Jim, don't you think Steve's got nice shoes? You are not giving him half my fashion jokes. Aww. Seriously, Steve, you don't want to be the DM's friend. He never gives good lines to anybody. He hogs all the quality jokes for himself. He makes you say things about bowls. Bowls! As it just so happens, Wilma, Steve likes saying things about bowls, don't you, Steve? You want me to say a thing or two about bowls? Why, DM... They hang between my mighty tanned thews, great orbs enough to make women's wombs weep. From thence doth all my manly fluids seep like glistening dewdrops in whitish hues, which make any winsome lass enthused. Ladies fall begging in a squirming heap upon seeing the balls from the man from bleep, and my masculine junk they beg to use. My shaft juts above perpendicular. What a mighty rod no man can refrain from using her lips to trace its full veins. Missionary cowgirl doggy spit roast i spurt a juice that takes testicular behold the balls of this radio host you see steve just improvised a petrarchan sonnet about balls yeah but that's just like i mean you think it's good but i mean that's just your idea so yeah what is that even and yeah good sonnet steve bro pat on the butt bro pat on the butt bro pat on the butt what sportsmen do it bro pat on the butt get out of here jim what i was just trying to get involved what does steve have that we don't Though, 
Damn, really? I mean, why should he do all of our jobs? Wait, wait. Listen to him read the introduction to the show. In a suburban home somewhere, people try to escape the meaningless of their lives during breaks from unrewarding work and tedious study. Just hear that baritone! I could listen all day! They imagine they are delving in dangerous dungeons, wandering a land of elves and swords and dragons, and questing as mighty heroes. Can you help guide them through their quest? He should read audiobooks. Seriously, I'd buy them. (gasps) Romance novels, they'd be hot. Welcome to the share house where we are about to be immersed in the deep dark world of the role-playing hour oh dulcet tones the man sounds like bert newton it's like having bert newton in your own home but dm do you sound like bert newton clutterbuck i sound like (laughs) Exactly. I have to go talk to the other guys. Other guys, come into the next room with me. We have to do something. Our positions are under threat here, people. I actually like having less to do. Maybe Steve can get the cliché gay jokes as well. And Wilma, you might be forced to make fewer jokes about sticking things in your vagina if Steve has to stick them in his instead. No, no. I won't have it. I have a position here. A position where you stick things in your vagina? Yes, and where I expose my boobs on radio. And it will not be threatened. I am the Queen Bee. Oh my god. Through the keyhole. I think that... I think Steve is exposing his boob on radio. <gasps> Steve's doing a cliché gay joke. Hey, that does kind of sting. And look, the DM's friendship with this guy is just gross, isn't it? Where did this Steve even come from? The DM is all happy. Ugh. Plus, the DM's always going to bring Steve around here now. And I'm pretty sure I saw Steve drinking a whole litre of milk straight from the carton in one go. I saw red pubes in the shower. He's already having showers here. We have to take action. I really thought the DM was my friend. And now look at how he's treating me. He was my only friend in the world. Ashley! Clutterbuck, he told you every day he didn't like you. I thought he was being blokey. He just uses you, Clutterbuck. No, he's my best bud. I have to understand why he would cast me aside for another. Maybe we can just ask Steve to leave. With an axe? Without an axe first. Steve, we think you should leave. Steve can't leave. He's teaching me how to lose my radio lisp. You put your tongue behind your two front teeth, like that. Ah, hey, thanks, man. Bro lingering touch on the cheek and stare into each other's eyes. Bro lingering touch on the cheek and stare into each other's eyes. What is the appeal, DM? Besides having the dulcet tones of Bert Newton, what does he have that I don't have? Is it because you're both octogenaries? We're in our 30s, Clutterbuck. Still horrible. Being in your 30s really isn't so bad, Clubbertuck. It's Clutterbuck. Whatever. Yes, you are in your 20s, all young and beautiful, with the world interested in your every move and your purchasing choices. And you look at those in their 30s, you must think, how terrible. But really, it's not so bad. It's like what George Orwell said about being broke in Down and Out in Paris and London. Look, in your late 20s, you're still a bit beautiful. People still want to know you just a little. And it's like being poor and struggling with money. And when you're poor, you worry, how will I pay for my house? How will I pay off this debt and that debt? Where will my small amount of money go? Then, in your 30s, suddenly you're not beautiful, you're not wanted anymore. It's like you're suddenly broke, you know? But being broke is liberating. 
You can't pay this debt. You can't pay that debt. You have no money and no one can get it from you. So, you know, don't concern yourself. You lose your house. So no more worry about rent. Can't buy anything. Okay, sure. But, you know, you don't have to worry about what to buy or how to buy it. And you don't have to worry about keeping up with the Joneses, you know, because you can't. You're beyond that now. Your options are limited. And beauty and being important and being wanted, they're behind you forever. But, you know, it makes life so much simpler. It seems like it should be alarming being broke or old and ugly and alone, but it's oddly calming. All the energy you save. You won't be special. You won't be famous. You can't go to pubs and clubs and pick people up because no one wants you anymore and no one will give you the time of day. Even going to a shop and talking to the shop assistant, she'll look at you with such disdain. So you don't even need to bother flirting with, you know, people in public service. So all the energy you spend being anxious about all of that, you know, you save that. You keep it down. You lock it down in your core where it's safe, where no one can touch it. It's in this egg, you know? And all those other worries, they're gone. So at 30, what? You're dead, almost? You're a cow in a pen waiting for the bolt in its head? No, no. See, nature and life want you to continue past 30. It's only society that doesn't. Why would nature possibly want you to continue? Because you're supposed to have kids by then. You're already supposed to have attracted someone and have had kids, and now you're just like a soft, porridgey pillow for your kids to sleep on, hidden in a house where no one can see you. Where no one should see you because you're not cool or important enough. Pillow is the wrong word. The biological purpose of the over-30s is not to be a pillow, but to be the chewed-up newspaper baby rats nest in. You get shat on and pissed on and smelly, but who cares? You don't count! That's what biology expects you to do. Yes, you're old, tired bedding for children to soil with impunity while they pull themselves up into the world, mattering until they themselves then drop out of importance when they pass 29. And if they go into a candy shop, the woman instantly thinks they're a sex offender. And, you know, they instantly become ugly and non-essential. Yes, you're rat bedding. You still exist, but you're silent. In the background, people wrinkle their noses up at you and you don't really matter anymore. But I really quite like it. I quite enjoy being in my 30s. I prefer it to my 20s. That long decade of worrying is over. I didn't get anything out of all the efforts of my 20s, but at least the worrying is over. So that is the appeal then? Is it because Steve is over 30? That's why you like him better than me? I'll be over 30 one day. I promise. I promise I will. <laughs> he probably oh, he probably won't even know what that <laughs> that thing from our childhood that we all liked was. Oh, you yeah. mean a, a Teddy Ruxpin? <laughs> I, I had a Teddy Ruxpin. My cousin gave it to me. You only got Teddy Ruxpins after they were cool. Uh, but come on, DM. People shouldn't base their lives around pointless nostalgia anyway. Don't be mean to Steve, Jim. What? What did I say? Steve is on bleep on Monday night. So? It's about retro gaming. They review video games from the 80s and 90s. Oh. DM. I'm, oh, Jim. I don't want to talk to myself. DM, you're good. You're good. Just keep the rage inside, please. Keep the rage inside because they're insulting your bestest bro. So you, your feelings aren't hurt. I'll give you a bro cuddle. Okay, here we go. DM, calm. Okay, now Jim, eye contact, please. Mm-hmm. I want to see that you're serious, please. What? What yes. do I do? I think you should apologize to Steve, okay? No, no, man. It's, it's cool. I'm okay. This is John Rhys-Davis. I hate the role-playing R because they tossed a dwarf.
Oh dear DM, here we are flying across this pit of snakes in a hovercraft. But I've just spilt my carrot juice because the snakes beneath us are getting restless. I think you'll have to use your amazing guitar skills to soothe them. Okay, Doctor, who really likes me and we're totally best friends, I'll do that. Insert guitar noise here. Oh, no, no, Colin, you weren't supposed to read that bit out. He's dashing, he has ears like an elf, and the bit between his thumb and hand is charmingly skinny. Is it the DM? Yes, you got it! Your turn. Uh, he's handsome, he's charming, and he has a darling radio show voice. Is it... Steve? Why, yes, you got it! (laughs) What are you guys doing? We're playing Guess Who! I'm a walking cliché. I think I'm fashionable, but I'm not. And when I shave off my moustache, I look like Peter Laurie. Are you Jim? Yes! How did you guess? (laughs) Hey, what? Uh, How does he know what I look like without a moustache? I showed him pictures of that time after you passed out of that party, Peter. (laughs) (laughs) My name's not Peter. I don't look like Peter Laurie. I had to. <laughs> oh, see you later, Peter. Bye-bye, Peter. Peter, see ya. <laughs> I'd grow a mustache if I looked like Jim, too. I know, Steve, I know. Peter Laurie is basically like the Steve Buscemi of the 30s, isn't he? <laughs> DM, you're being very mean to your friends. I think Steve is a bad influence. Nonsense. Steve isn't a bad influence, are you, Steve? No. If anything, the DM's a bad influence on me. He's the wild tiger, the the lovable larrikin. Oh, did you see that? He called me a lovable larrikin. <gasps> I suppose I am lovable with my larrikin-like ways. Brolick from the same ice cream cone? Brolick from the same ice cream cone. But DM, I've been trying to be your friend for ages and you ignore me? Clutterbuck, <clears throat> Steve and I, you know, we're just a... Uh... When God was making bros, I think he accidentally dropped one of the bros. And the bro broke in half. I broke it in half, bro. And you know, God, he just waved his hand because that's what God does. And so the bros were whole again. But you know, those two bros... They longed for that other half. They longed. They felt the lack. And Steve, he is that other half a bro. When God was giving each bro a drop of pure broitude, I think he squeezed too hard and gave you two drops, DM. He gave you three drops. Oh, that's more bro than I can handle. It's more bro than anyone can handle. That's why you're so righteous, bro. Hey, look. Wednesday at 3 o'clock. This is when the DM and I used to watch Sesame Street. I would watch Sesame Street. You would just happen to watch it too. I would watch you watching it. Steve taught me that Sesame Street is for people who like gay and lesbian intercourse at the same time. (laughs) Yeah, it's for people who like gay and lesbian intercourse at the same time. So I don't watch it anymore. (laughs) Can you tell me how how to get to the life I had before? Anyway, Steve is cool, because he likes depressing things, like I do. Yeah. Did you know the BBC published a graph the other day showing when the world's natural resources would run out? For living resources, it was based on worst-case estimates, but living resources will last much longer than the rest. For mineral resources, it was based on known reserves. It is currently economical to extract and current percentages of growth. You see, Steve shares my love of graphs, which none of you do. Mm -hmm. And on the graph, it says that the Arctic will be ice-free in summer in 18 years. The rainforests will be depleted in 180 years. But silver will run out in 17 years. Indium 
uh, which makes touchscreens and solar panels, will run out in 12 years. Copper will run out in 32 years. Gas will run out in 35 years. Oil will run out in 37 years. And coal in 42 years. All that stuff is nearly gone from the earth. <clears throat> it means that if you have a kid now, the kid will be only a little older than us during the apocalypse. <clears throat> a little older than us or somewhat younger than us during the apocalypse. Rainforests will last 150 years longer than oil. We need to invent some wood-powered cars. I mean, think about it. When oil runs out and you can't transport anything, food or anything like that, society collapses. You know, and then we're back to a population level that can be sustained by a pre-industrial society with pre-industrial agricultural methods. And, you know, what was the population before the Industrial Revolution? A few hundred million. It reached a billion in 1800, I think, after the start. So, you know, that means six and a half billion people are going to have to starve. And that will happen in our lifetimes. A kid born now will be in his early 30s when oil and gas runs out. So if you have a kid, you should start teaching him Kung Fu and Ramboism. Hmm. Your kid can come back and they'll be, be like, spitting on me, calling me names like Baby Killer and stuff like that. And you'll be like, that's terrible, son. That's terrible. Anyway, we're basically the most comfortable generation that has ever existed and ever will exist in all of human history. Human society is at its peak right now, and it will never be like that again. The next generation will endure absolute hell as everything collapses. And after that, things will be like the late Middle Ages, but probably worse because, you know, stuff they had easy access to in the Middle Ages, like iron that you can easily mine, that won't be there anymore. We here today, all of us, all of us bros, us brosifs, we are remembered as the great Rome that fell, bro Rome. And, you know, plus a lot of the knowledge we have now and that we would develop between now and the collapse of civilization. Where are we storing it? On computers and the internet. And when there's no power, bam, that's gone. And no one will have access to that knowledge ever again. I felt for a while that sci-fi and religious feeling have something in common. And I guess they do, because they both project an idea of a future where things keep improving. But that's not the way it's going to be. We've had our boom. We're as big and great as we can ever be, and now comes the bust. And we'll be stuck on an earth that has nothing left because of what we've done, and the bust will last forever. We're back to being monkeys, just slightly more clever. I mean, population levels before the Industrial Revolution compared to now. That's a lot of kids born recently, and in the next few years who were going to starve. You know, I mean, that's, that's most of them. Most of them are going to starve. And if you live in Australia, which can naturally only support a tiny population without industrial aid, it's the worst place to be. Goodbye. These will be your kids this is going to happen to. <clears throat> Louis Armstrong, he would have to sing a different tune in Wonderful World. I see babies born. I watch them grow. They'll suffer much more than I'll ever know. I almost wish I had a child just to bear witness to it all. But I'd have to put him in an arena like a toddler cockfighting ring from an early age. I'd bet on him, Steve. You know, with those jeans, I'd <laughs> bet on him. He'd be getting my... I mean, you know, so... But think about it, like how many Facebook friends does the average person have? Mm. I'm, I don't have many because I'm antisocial, but I still have like 200. So how many out of like if, you know... Six billion people die. So how many Facebook friends do I have left after that? About 30. So I'll be betting on your son, but he won't necessarily still be alive at the end of the apocalypse. But still, paint the number on his back. I'm putting putting down the cash. It's good thinking, Steve. Excellent. But 
you know, it would be like having a kid in Nanking in 1930 and knowing full well what was going to happen, refusing to move away. I kind of wouldn't want to do that to the little cockfighting champ. Well said, Steve. Thank you. But, DM, you say we're the most comfortable generation, but from what I see, it looks like we're going to run out of oil before we die. I don't look forward to being 74 and freezing my grey, wrinkly balls off due to a lack of central heating. I think our parents are the most comfortable generation because they'll be dead by then. Steve, your grey, wrinkly balls can be heated by the fires of a dying civilization. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you and me, our causes of death will probably be listed as Steve and the DM murdered by 15-year-olds while being robbed of their precious, precious haunch meat. Oh, if the Arctic is ice-free in summer, does that mean all the polar bears will die? If so, that seems like a legit reasoning for opening up polar bear hunting. We would be saving them from drowning. How many miles per gallon can you get from polar bear fuel? I want to cackle madly at the rioting mobs as I'm snug and warm in my polar bear skin coat. Bravo, DM. Thank you, Steve. And look, I'm sure people know much better than me, possibly Clutterbuck does, because uh, science is not my strong point, and feel free to jump in with corrections. Uh, But... uh, (laughs) Look, this graph, which is a true graph, it's, it really exists. If you uh, look around at the list of dwindling resources here on the graph, it just gets worse. Oh, oil and coal are running out. Well, we'll just use solar. Nope, nope. There will be no indium to make solar panels in 12 years from now. Oh, we'll use nuclear. Nuke. No, nuclear control rods are 80% silver, and silver runs out in 17 years from now. Silver is also used in homeopathy, but that's okay, because the water will still retain the memory of silver after it's gone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, we'll go electric somehow and drive around in electric cars? No, no, you need a lot of stuff on the list to make uh, batteries. <laughs> Antimony, for example, runs out in eight years. And I mean, no silver? Imagine that. We'll all get gold medals. That'll be good, yeah. But, you know, we probably use silver in all sorts of industrial processes we never even give a thought to, and it's used in the medical industry quite a lot. Medicine's going to take a hit in 17 years when all the silver is gone. You know, there'll be no copper to string up power lines in 32 years from now. These babies today, my age when copper is gone forever, they're so fucked! <clears throat> uh, DM, about the solar panels, though, you know that solar panels today can actually be made by blackberry juice. Huh. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's, it's, it's only at 8% efficiency compared to the 12% we have today. But it's still a very, very... So if we devote the entire of the Earth's crust to farming blackberries, we'll we should be... get exactly the same voltage. We'll be completely fine. Well, actually, Watts, I have a blackberry farm, oh. and I loot a shack out the back. Mm. And, mm. Mate, I've got a fucking farm. It's not that, kind of, not that kind of farm, Roland. Oh, fuck, sorry. Go back behind the couch. But, but asteroid mining. Scientists have calculated that there is $100 billion worth of minerals for every human being alive today in the asteroid belt. It's better than mining Mars, too. Because to get away from Mars, we don't need to reach escape velocity every time. But asteroids have a low escape velocity. Hmm. Hmm. And how many years training does it take to get an asteroid belt? Is that higher than black belt or lower? Or... <laughs> ha! Ha! Ah! Gallows humor, we're talking about the end of the world. Anyway, uh, so, but how are we going to send up rockets with no oil? Lol. Rockets don't use oil or coal or gas for fuel. Oh, fuck you. 
No, but coal, oil and gas are used to manufacture spaceship parts and to transport them to launch sites for powering computers for every piece of infrastructure. And various other minerals are needed for computing on board and on the ground. Once that stuff is gone, it's too late for another solution. We have to recycle everything we have now. Perhaps Steve's powerful son can just thrust rockets into the sp- into space. Mm-hmm. He could be ready for that, I think. You know, okay, recycling, but you get, even if we converted everything 100%, which would be fantastic, but you still get diminishing returns, right? You lose a bit every time you recycle, I'm, I assume. Uh, you know, and the trucks, they pick up the recycling, and the recycling factories themselves, they need not to be run on coal, oil, or gas. And you can't recycle that once it's gone, it's gone, said the panda bear. The panda bear! The WWF! Once it's gone, it's gone, man! DM, you're going a little crazy here. Anyway, governments governments need to stop what we're doing. You know doing. who gave that panda bear a black eye? Who did? You did by not recycling. Well, I just. <clears throat> anyway, governments, on the other hand, mm-hmm. governments need to stop what we're doing. They need to make us change our lifestyle. But governments need to be voted in first, and no one would vote for a government that restricted our lifestyles. Look at the last French elections. One candidate proposed austerity measures because of what's happening in the Eurozone. So what happened? People voted for the other guy, who promised there would be no austerity measures under his government. The whole nation just stuck their heads in the sand. Change isn't going to come from on high. We need new techs. Mm, maybe, but we need them very quickly, and we need them to be used on a large scale very quickly. Good thinking about the asteroids, though, Clutterbuck. Hmm, I hadn't realized that they were so bling. Okay, so we need to... My, okay, okay, so that's what we need. So, survival, then, <clears throat> pretty much depends on discovering viable fusion before everything runs out. Don't know if they need control rods. Anyway, say 20 years. 20 years or 30 at most we have for uh, working industrial scale viable fusion. We probably need beamed power, which is already possible on a small scale, you know, because we can't keep stringing wires. We also need space elevators, which probably require carbon nanotubes. You know, so asteroid mining can be done without burning so much dirty fuel. And so it would be in the long run cheaper. Of course, it would be massive and hugely expensive project up front. We probably need more than one. Space elevator. Carbon nanotubes are still experimental, but in 20 or 30 years, we probably need about five space elevators. You know, for our children not to be fighting in gangs for precious haunch meat, that's pretty much what we need to discover and make viable. All those things, and we need them working on an industrial scale, but still with no silver and antimony and indium and things like that long before all this is possible. Lots of little things like medicine are really going to suck. We as human beings have a race against the clock now, and if we win, we get to continue industrialized civilization, and if we fail, humans are flung back into the tech of the Middle Ages forever, and they can never again get back to where we are now, because resources simply won't exist on Earth. One last thought. Australia's main exports include coal, gone in 42 years, natural gas, gone in 35 years, and aluminium, gone in 80 years. So we'd better use the money we make from those before they run out to create a nice, sustainable replacement for the gap that will be left in the economy. Or our kids and grandkids could be in trouble, presuming they survived the great haunch meat wars of 2049. God, you guys are so depressing. You see... Now the role-playing hour is topical because Steve's here and Steve has a soul. You see, Wilma, what I was saying, the difference between topical and funny? That was topical and not at all funny. See what the difference is? Do you understand now? Oh, and Clutterbuck, the WWF panda, has a message for you. 
Oh god, it returns! Ah, Steve is depressing and isn't it great? No, you're great, DM. Bro foot massage! Bro foot massage! Do I get a line this bit? What? You just did then! Listeners, what will you do when oil, coal and gas run out? How will you survive when billions are starving? What role will you play in the great haunchmeat wars? Call in now and tell us an 83135000. You're listening to Wilma, Jim Clutterbuck, the DM, and the wonderful Steve here on the role-playing hour on Radio Adelaide, digital radio, online and 101.5 FM. We can be emailed during the week at the role-playing hour at hotmail.com. And we have a Facebook page where you can be linked to new clips and past episodes. Just search for us, R-O-L-E, the role-playing hour. But right now, call in on 83135000 and tell us how you will survive the apocalypse when all our resources run out in 30 years and society collapses. And we'll be right back with you after this exciting musical break. This is Jewel State, and I hate the role-playing hour because they remind me too much of that hitchhiker I killed and buried beneath the floorboards. Even when I cover my ears, I can still hear that heart beating. <laughs> oh my god, I can't do that one. <laughs> okay, we don't have too much time. Uh, but... Anyone who uh, goes on our Facebook page may know that there are a few uh, birthday ads we tried to make that got rejected. And it is Radio Adelaide's birthday this month. In fact, the birthday party is this coming week, so I thought we would now read out some of the rejected ads, and uh, you could be more enthused about the birthday as a result. Okay, here's one. Radio Adelaide is turning 40. If Radio Adelaide was an M, then ILF. And really, isn't Radio Adelaide a mother? Over the years, how many shows and personalities has Radio Adelaide given birth to? Indeed, with her multitudinous offspring of all shapes and sizes, she is like Error, the beast in Book One, Canto One of Edmund Spencer's The Fairy Queen, and I quote, Of her there bred a thousand young ones, which she daily fed, sucky upon her poisonous dugs, each one of sundry shapes yet ill-favored. Soon as the uncouth light upon them shone, into her mouth they crept, and sudden all were gone. Yes, her thousands of cringing progeny, scurrying into her gaping maw to escape the light, are the many fine shows that Radio Adelaide has produced over the years. And if Radio Adelaide is a mother, then aren't you too, the listeners, like her children, crawling across her bloated form to suckle at her vainly and distended puckered teat, mewling as you guzzle her milk given freely to all comers? Don't you hungrily place your lips at the same glistening nipple where she has given suck to so many thousands before? So why not give a little back this birthday celebration? You can give a gift of four dollars. $44 or $444 as long as it has a 4 in it. You can go to the Radio Adelaide birthday celebration on Thursday, 28th of June. There's a thing happening at the station all day, but at night you can go to Format off Peel Street, on Peel Street, just off Hindley Street, 7.30. There's a big party there which finishes strictly at 11 o'clock, so don't plan on partying too hard. Uh, now let's see, we'll give uh, Steve, you can talk about that one. Gents, we all know what turning 40 means. Prostate exams. Ouch, am I right? And you know what? Radio Adelaide just turned 40. Yep, for the first time he had to... Well, you know what he had to do. So in sympathy, as a sign of solidarity with the Brotherhood, why don't you don your brown ribbon and support Radio Adelaide by mm, donating the the $4 or $40 or $44. Any, ne- any level of donation, sir, so long as it has a 4 in it. 
The Kama Sutra of Vatsayana, Indian Book of Love, recommends if you're a man with dimensions of a hare interacting with a woman with the dimensions of an elephant and you seek to enjoy fulfilling congress, then why not affect the enlargement of the lingam by rubbing or moistening it with oil boiled on a moderate fire along with the seeds of the pomegranate and the cucumber, the juices of the veluca plant and aged to perfection essences of a 40-year-old Radio Adelaide. Also apply to the yoni, an unguent created from the butter milk of a she-buffalo mixed with powdered lead, mercury chloride, and the excrement of a monkey, sprinkled with ground 40-year-old vintage Radio Adelaide to ensure that paroxysm is achieved by both parties. As you can see, Radio Adelaide is a vital ingredient in many ancient love medicines, so why not take your favourite lingam and your second favourite yoni down to format on Peel Street, just off Hindley Street, so you can get bashed. 7.30 on Thursday. Uh... Do we have any others? Uh, there we go, Steve. Oh. Radio Adelaide is turning 40. That means Radio Adelaide was around when you were just a twinkle in your mother's eye. That's right, your mother was looking at your father with sparkling eyes. They sat close. She put a hand on his thigh. That hand moved up, up. A million lights glimmered from the 70s disco ball. Their lips touched, wet and heavy. The passion between your mother and father was rising. Rising. <clears throat> Where was I? That's right, Radio Adelaide, turning 40. Soon! We have no time to tell you to subscribe, so just freaking subscribe, or we'll come to your house and kill your brother. This is Jonathan Frakes, and I hate the role-playing hour so much that whenever I hear it, I want to eject my warp core. This is Corin Nimick. Do you hate the role-playing hour? Not a problem. I'll get them cancelled faster than you can say synchronized swatches. Ah, <sighs> seriously. You're still making me do this Parker Lewis shtick? You think this is funny? You guys are complete fu- You know, hearing your show before meeting any of you, I pictured, oh, I don't know, a comedic team with great rapport, fun, happy-go-lucky guys, an energetic gang who would pluckily fly in the face of established norms with puckish smiles on their faces. Oh, really, Steve? That's nice of you to say. Yes. And then I met you and you're a bunch of jerks. Listen, Steve, we hate the DM, but we hate you more. With you here, it's like there's two DMs. Plus, he's ours. We have him wrapped around our little fingers. Oh, we let him rant every now and again, so he thinks he has free will. But before you came along, I used to have lines. Lines, damn it. More than one in ten minutes. Wilma, 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 Wilma. Should I say it? Do I dare call you a no-talent hack? No! Because that would be an insult to no-talent hacks. You're a dickweed, Steve. And you eat dicks on a dick sandwich with mayo made from congealed scrapings of a thousand dicks. Ah, cluffer duck. So, I've been wondering, I mean, what? Are you dyslexic? You may really want to seek help. One day, basic speech is going to be important. A giant tattooed bear of a man is going to come along and he's going to say, Would you like to get fucked in the arse? And while you're struggling to say, Please, no, sir! He's going to mishear your fluffed lines and sodomize you like a country housewife churning butter. Steve, you tote... Uh, Steve, you... Mm, that's it, Shark. Just say the line, it will come eventually. You absolute... <sighs> you complete... Just think of the sentence like a shit coming out of your mouth. You can do it. The opposite of what you usually do. I know, you shice a show pony, but you'll get the hang of it. You utter... <sighs> Steve, look, I'm all for making fun of Clutterbuck, but that's too far. Ah, uh, Jim! Jimmy. 
Radio Adelaide's walking gay joke. A man of a thousand voices. 999 of which sound like a huffy, uptight queen. Well, at least I don't look like Ginger Meg's gay uncle. Oh, that was funny, Jim. So funny. And tell me, if you get three more highlights and a few more days' growth on that trendy beard, do they give you the George Michaels for free? Oh, Steve, now you're just going to have to get slapped. Wilma, the mouthpiece for misogyny on the show, happily setting back the cause for women everywhere just for the chance to have her voice on the radio. You sold your feminist rights quicker than a porn stylet offered $100 extra for a bukkake scene. Oh, hey, guys. I see you're all getting to know Steve better. Isn't he a champ? I was just meeting your other friends, DM. They're all such lovely people. We were sharing some laughs. He's a monster, DM. A monster! He's treating us horribly. He's nice to your face, but... We were just doing a scene together. They're just playing. They're still in character. Yes, I'm an actor, you see. They're not. No, sadly. I was teaching them about acting. Oh, great, gang. You could really learn some things from this guy. Mm. You should listen to him. In fact, Steve, I'm making you unofficial acting coach for the team, okay? (laughs) Whatever Steve says, you guys do. DM, please. We've been so loyal to you for so long. We've come in every week for free. We've said our lines. Whatever you ask of us, no matter how filthy or depraved or insulting it was to us, we lent a hand behind the scene countless times. No reward. Helping to bring about a vision of a show you created. Can't you just trust us and respect us enough to listen to what we're saying now? Steve is evil. Steve is evil! Be loyal to your friends. Not this newcomer, upstart, dick sandwich, dick mongler. Look, I don't know what it is. But between Steve and I, there's this, this mutual feeling of... Romance. Camaraderie. And he seems like a natural addition to the show and a natural fit. In time, you'll grow to love him. Like an arranged marriage. Steve, teach them some more about acting. You know, while I go to the shops. You know, I was thinking for the next scene, we should pierce Clutterbuck's cheek with a knitting needle. So when he smokes a cigarette, smoke comes out the hole in his cheek. You won't see it on radio, of course, but the gag will be very meta. Sure thing, DM. Now, as Stanislavski famously said about acting... Shut up, you ass-kissing fuck. Yeah, you can stick your acting in a hole and set it on fire. We don't need acting. We never needed acting. It's the future, and you're dead in a ditch, and I'm laughing over your corpse. That's how tonight's going to end. Oh, very Bertolt Brecht. Forgoing climactic catharsis in favour of the estrangement effect. Shut the fuck up and eat a thousand tons of vag slime. Did you really have to say vag slime? Hey, I wouldn't want to eat a thousand tons of it, would you? Well, I... Well, I... There's no way I can dignify that with an answer and not look anti-feminist, is there? (laughs) If I ate the thousand tons of vag slime, would I get to eat the vag at the end of the slime trail? (sighs) Clutterbuck... Oh, that Steve is a dirty bastard, and he's stabbing us all in the back. He's turning the DM against us, and we've only ever been nice. Coming in Friday after Friday to do a stupid show. It's Friday night, for crying out loud. We could have been doing something better. Seriously? Like what? World of Warcraft? World of Warcraft is better. I've tried to be his friend for so long, and he keeps kicking sand in my face. Well, I'm going to kick that sand off my face onto his face. But before that, I'm going to kill Steve. Now, now, we don't have to kill Steve. We just need to orchestrate his downfall. His downfall into a meat grinder? If we could just find some way to turn the DM against him. If we keep an eye on him, we're sure to see him slip. We know he lies. He could be lying to the DM about something important. And if he is, we'll catch him out. Yes, he is so two-faced. He's like that Roman god. Janus? No, no, no. Venus, goddess of love, beauty, and sexuality. Do you think if I was as beautiful as him, the DM would like me too? Those dimples. Wait, the DM's away, right? 
but I think I hear some noise coming from the DM's room. The sign on the door is being turned over. It says do not impinge. That means the DM doesn't want anyone impinging. I'll look through the keyhole. My God, it's Steve, and he's drawing up some kind of chart. Why, it's a butcher's diagram. It divides the DM into various cuts of meat, like he's a peacock's in a shop. Let me see. Oh my God, you're right. There's loin chops, ham, fat back. Hey guys. DM, you're back home. Pat me. Pat me. Give me a biscuit. Oh, Clutterbuck, you've missed me, haven't you? No, don't eat my shoes. DM, we saw what Steve is doing in your room. Oh, now, no more bad words about Steve. I know you're a bit jealous, but in the long run, we like some big happy family. You'll see. I'll be the dad. Jim will be the cousin. Wilma will be the maid. Clutterbuck will be our retarded son. But you have to listen to us. He's in your room. He's drawing up a plan to cut you up like a slab of meat. Oh, he's nearly done that. Good. Oh, look, I forgot to turn the sign around on my door. I had to switch it around to impinge. There we go. People are allowed to come in. Hey, Steve, how's the diagram going? Yeah, not bad. I'm up to your neck chops and jowl bacon. Jowl bacon! My tasty, tasty jowl bacon. Wait, you wanted him to do that? Yes, it's for the great haunch meat wars of 2049 when civilization collapses because we run out of resources. Look, it's inevitable that teenagers are going to kill me and cut me up for my tasty meats and portions, right? So why should I go to waste? I don't want them cutting me up badly, getting gut juice all over my picnic shoulder so that I'm inedible. You know, if that happens... I will have died in vain. So in my last will and testament, I'll leave this handy chart. If I have to be robbed by teenagers so they can fight tooth and nail to continue the human race, I at least want them to remember me and think, Mmm, that DM was good eating. Do you like the way I've rendered your tenderloin smoked cottage roll, DM? I do, Steve, I do. Oh, and why'd I say nice shank ends? Oh, thanks, DM. I specialised in shank ends in art class. You see, I'm an artist as well, not just an actor. Oh, and is that my leaf lard you've drawn there? Mine, really? Yeah, I, I guess I only see your good side, DM. I've never had my leaf lard drawn like that. Wow, you really know how to flatter a man, Steve. I'm touched. Oh, DM. That picture of my leaf lard there, it's... <laughs> nicest thing anyone's ever done for me. Yes, and I would be finished, except those other friends of yours kept interrupting by breathing heavily through the keyhole when I had clearly changed the sign on your door to say do not impinge so I could work. Guys, listen, Steve needs peace. Steve is a real artist, a genius. You guys just wouldn't, you wouldn't understand. It's beyond your ken. You're a small suburban lower middle class ken. Just leave him be whenever he demands it of you. In fact, do whatever he demands. I'm officially making him second in command of the show now and co-writer. I have some new lines for Jim next week. I thought he could say, ooh I'm a giant jerk and I like licking donkey balls. I like it, Steve. I like it. Very literate, very clever. The donkey was a reference to the beaten down nag Ricinante in Miguel Cavete's Don Quixote. I knew it was, Steve. I knew it was. I picked up on that immediately. Very clever. How are a donkey and a nag the same? Because Jim thinks he's good, but he isn't. And he thinks he can fight giants, but he can't. <sighs> Leave us, peasants. Leave us. We're planning next week's episode. Ooh, that's Steve, I... I I hate him. Don't you hate him, Jim? He has so much pain coming to him. Next week, it's on. Next week, he's going down, down for lunch. And not just him, no, not just him. The DM doesn't appreciate me. The DM betrays me. The DM makes jokes about my dictation. Well, I'll have the last badly enunciated laugh because next week... I'm killing the DM. So, I was thinking next week I could invite Tom from Pleep onto the show as well. Oh, good idea. We'll play some D&D.